everybody. Good day and welcome to the Football Cavalcade. I'm John Dooley. What an exciting time. What a nice week for the Big Ten. What an interesting week it was with a lot of different games and some weird weather conditions. Oh my God, it's that weird Midwestern weather just rearing its ugly head in November as it always does. It was a weird weekend. I don't know how you guys felt or if you're listening to this in the Midwest at all, but the 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 weather this weekend was absolutely out of control. And I think the more rural area you're in, the more obscene it gets. Because there's nothing protecting you. There's nothing there. And I found that out the, uh, the wrong way, which uh, we'll talk about here in just a moment. But welcome to the Midwest Football Cavalcade. I'm John Dooley. You can follow us on Twitter by searching Dooley Football. That's right, at Dooley Football. That's where I'm at. So send me questions on Twitter. I'll be on there trying to share stuff and whatnots. And uh, yeah, we do this podcast on a weekly basis. We also try to throw in some weekly interviews. We did with Jason Jowers talking about the coaching change at Wisconsin. He's a former player at Wisconsin. And we also did a wonderful interview with Brian Crozier where he talked about Illini football. And of course... The second we mention Illini football or we say anything positive, somebody pulls pulls the tablecloth off of the table. And unfortunately, nothing is left standing. It was amateur hour in Champaign. But my name, once again, is John Dooley. You can also find us on Facebook at Midwest Football Cavalcade. Search for us. It shows as a private page right now. Uh, so if you request, I'll be able to add you. So don't think that uh, if you don't, you'll see it. You might not be able to add it, but you'll, you will be able to see it. Just put that request in. Say request. Or if you already follow the Cavalcade, you know other college f- football fans that will really enjoy this. Bring them into the party. Bring them in. Bring them in. It's, it's a big – it's one of those family beds. That's what it is. It's a big family bed. Everybody can jump in the bed. That sounded weird. I don't know. Why am I talking about family beds this early? Usually the podcast is recorded on Monday. So when you go to work on Tuesday, it's nice. It's there. You know that it's there. It's ready to rock. You get excited because you're going to work on Tuesday. But this week it didn't happen. I had a bunch of stuff going on on Monday. My son had a basketball game and uh, just a lot of different stuff going on. So I didn't get to it on Monday night. So now You're listening to this on either Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. Some people like listening to this on Saturday. They like getting prepped for their college games while they they do their Saturday morning stuffs. So if you're out there, by the way, if this is Saturday and you are out, you deserve a donut. It's the fall. It's a Saturday. Get a donut. They're delicious. I mean, they're fantastic in the fall time too. So let's rewind the tape. Let's rewind the tape. We said we 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 are on Facebook, we're on Twitter. Uh, I am thinking of developing an Instagram page, but I have to find more quotes from a lot of these episodes to put on there. So we'll see how that goes. And I'm also looking for a co-host. I am. I'm going to be honest. I'm looking for a co-host. It's a nice one-person gig, but I want someone to like hang out with and talk to and talk about amazing stuff and make jokes about. Mike Tomzak at Ohio State and, you know, things that most Big Ten fans do. But who knows? We'll see what happens. We'll see what the future holds. I was just excited because we got a full slate of Big Ten games. Oh, my God. It was like the old days. 
Remember the old days when grains were whole? Remember that? 1988, 1989, there'd be five Big Ten games. Only like one would be televised. The other four would be on some scattered AM radio dial. You'd have to drive to the middle of nowhere and see if you could get the signal. Or they try to put it on the, the, the UHF station. In Chicago, we had like Channel 66, so you'd have to get like some really poor reception. And Northwestern had some contract with Channel. You could watch you could watch like the Iowa Northwestern game on Channel 66 if you lived in the Chicago suburbs, which wasn't worth it because, you know, they'd be down back then. It was like 56 to nothing Iowa, so it wasn't really worth your time. Yeah, that's that's the way things used to be, kids. Not all the games were on TV. They weren't. You only got a couple games and you liked it. So that's the way it used to be. Now we got seven games because we've got 14 teams in the Big Ten. Oh, we go all the way out to New York City. We go as far west as Nebraska. We're covering the entire country. Can you imagine trying to do these reviews with USC and UCLA? What am I going to do? I have to have a partner. I have to have someone who's, who's able to reach out and go across the country. I can't do this all by myself. What are you, nuts? So... Good news, though, back-to-back weeks, we get a full slate of Big Ten games. We got them last week. We're going to get them this week. Ooh. Um, so I was in Rockford over the weekend. Uh, my son was playing in a tournament, and uh, I was at one of these fields. And uh, if you're in the Midwest, you know on Saturday it was a monsoon. It was uh, winds, gusts up to 80 miles an hour, and there was a cell that was a part of this storm, and we got drenched. I got drenched from head to toe. Uh Dripping from my hat to my toes. I think that's a rap song, isn't it? That's in some rap song. Dripping from my head to my toes. I don't know. Uh, but it was it was insane. I my my jeans were drenched. Um, it was bad. It was a it was a legitimately rough time. They had to cancel the game that he was playing, or I should say, delay it, not cancel it. And. Um, uh, I had to go home and then I went home and uh, this was on Saturday. So I was able to listen to games on the radio and I was listening to Ohio State Northwestern. Then I had to take a shower and then uh, went to go watch some IHSA football playoffs. They're doing the second round here in Illinois, or at least they were over the weekend. And I was watching Batavia play Hersey of Arlington Heights in the second round of the 7A playoffs. We got eight classes here in Illinois. Don't ask me why. Stupid. Should be four classes. Yeah, it's not fair. It isn't fair. It's not going to be fair for a lot of people. Life isn't fair. Uh, but uh, I, I have a tough time wondering what the difference is between a 7A champion and an 8A champion. That's just me. I'm an old school person. I'm a football fascist. That's what I am. Let them go at it. I want to see. I want to see the top teams go at it. But uh, it was a great game. It was a double overtime game and Batavia won and uh, got back feeling pretty good and watched the rest of the college slate. And now it's election day. I'm recording this on Tuesday. I just voted. I voted for all of the pro football candidates, just to put you at ease. Uh, all the candidates that are for football, I voted for. All the ones against, I made sure to not vote for. Uh, I'm also uh, still eating Halloween candy. So I don't know about you guys. I'm eating a lot of Snickers. And I'm watching college basketball. Because I love sports. I told you that the first week. I watch everything. I don't understand people who don't like sports. I like all sports. All of them. If there's a badminton tournament, you're into that, just let me know where it's at. I'll show up. I'll watch. 
You got like a, a nine-year-old, a U9 tackle football tournament? I'll watch that too. I don't care. I absolutely love all sports I love. Uh, great college football games. That's what we're <laughs> that's what we're focused on on this podcast. We are still focused on college football. Uh, LSU beat Bama. That was a big win for Brian Kelly and a big win for the Bayou Bengals. So they were able to get that going. And uh, I'm not going to sit here and say Bama's in trouble or they're not the same as they used to be. But um, it's nice to see some new teams, right? It's nice to see some new teams. There were a couple of years where it felt like this whole Bama-Clemson thing was not going to end. And you could throw in a couple other teams in there that were just going to make up the rest of the playoff. And we were just going to do that for eternity. And uh, looks like we're getting away from it. And we saw that uh, we saw that highlighted a couple of times over the weekend. Also, TCU still rolling. Yeah, get on that train, right? Get it going. And then I almost forgot. We were doing all this stuff. The game was so dominant. I was taking my notes and I forgot. Oh, yeah, Georgia dominated Tennessee in the biggest game of the year. And I think everything that we saw from the beginning of the year is now starting to um, resonate for the year, right? At least that's the feeling that I get. All of the thoughts that we had for the year are starting to show up. Things tend to even out. Everybody overreacts to things they see in week three and week four. Then by week five, it doesn't mean anything. So let's get going on our Big Ten slate. When we're done with that, we will take a break and then do a Big Ten preview of the upcoming week's games. And then remember, we also look at Notre Dame. We look at the MAC and we look at the Missouri uh, Missouri Valley Football Conference. And oh boy, there is a bunch of excitement going on all around the world. So we're going to talk about all of it. So let's get to our first game. Ohio State 21, Northwestern 7. Uh, as I mentioned before, horrific weather. Uh, I got stuck in Rockford at that soccer game with no protection, got drenched. Yeah, listening to what's taking place in the media right now in regards to this game, and I'm sure I'm going to see it, see it tonight when they finally release the uh, the playoff ranking. There's way too much being put into this game. I know that point differential matters. It's something that figures into some of the ratings that we have. I know you got to show up against every single team that you play. But for me, this is completely unfair. Georgia sleepwalked through their Kent State game. They got a huge scare against Mizzou. But since that happened prior to the playoff taking place, nobody's going to talk about it. Nobody's going to even bring it up. Ohio State's beat the living hell out of every single team they've played. And even last week against Penn State, where it was a close game for three quarters, it was obvious by the end of that game who the better team was. It was obvious. And I just don't understand, oh, we got to punish Ohio State for it. They did what they had to do. They won the game by two touchdowns on the road in horrendous conditions. The second somebody says Ohio State should take a dip, I know, I know for a fact that person did not turn that game on. I know it. If you live in the Midwest, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I can see you right now. You're nodding in your car. You're nodding listening to this podcast. You're saying, you're right, John. There's no level of talent. You could put out uh, the Deshaun Watson Clemson teams out there. 
you could put the Lawrence Clemson teams out there and put them against that Northwestern team. You want to know what the game would probably end as? Probably 21 to 7. That's how bad the weather was. It was insane. The gusts were up to 80 miles an hour. They couldn't do anything, couldn't throw the ball. I will say this. Ohio State was a little too stubborn with throwing the ball. Like, oh, we got to make this work somehow. No, you don't. It's a hurricane. <laughs> you run the ball. It is an actual hurricane. Put in your big sets, run the ball. Finally, they were able to get going with Mayan Williams. He ran for 111. He had two rushing touchdowns. And um, I think overall it was a good game for him. Uh, and Brendan Sullivan, by the way, Brandon Sullivan, he can run the ball. Uh, Northwestern's offensive line's not too bad either. I'd like to see more of their option package with Holland Porter. I think they found something in the game that kind of works for them too. Um, they're not the best defense. They're not good. But um, I don't know. You know, every team has moments like this. Every team has moments like this. And to punish them for playing in those conditions just seems like looking for something to complain about. Listen, there's no doubt Georgia's the number one team in the country. There's none. There really isn't any doubt that Ohio State's number two either. Right? Come on. Let's not do this. And this whole, I saw multiple people say, well, you know, this kind of proves that Michigan would play a little bit better. Yes, that's great. Michigan would play better in these. You're right. Michigan would play better in these conditions. But here's the thing. Guess where the college football playoffs going to be? It's going to be in good weather. Many times the playoff games are indoors. Michigan is going to play an SEC team. And essentially that defense is going to say, we really essentially only, we have 11 guys. And really all we have to do is guard 20 yards. We're going to get to the Michigan game in a second. But once again, we had another Michigan game where the longest pass play was, what, 36 yards? There was one pass play over 30 yards. These SEC teams, or whoever comes out of the Pac-12 or the Big 12, their defense, all they have to do is say, we just got to be the better team for 20 yards. Because we're not going to get we're not going to get beat deep. So you can sit here and say, oh, you know, Ohio, Michigan would be better in a game like this. Well, the Big Ten championship's not going to be played in Evanston uh, in 80 mile an hour wins. So that's congratulations. That's not a thing. I'm not trying to. I know it sounds like I'm Mr. Ohio State and I'm trying to poo-poo on Michigan. I'm just telling you, it's a huge deal. JJ McCarthy has to start developing his deep game. It has to happen. We have to see it. And if Harbaugh's been hiding it this whole time, and I don't know, this is the greatest dupe of all time. It's the greatest dupe of all time. Maybe it's always been there, and we just didn't see it. So, I don't know. But we're going to see. We're going to see as time goes on. We're also going to see how I'm going to configure all this different stuff taking place right now. I am dealing with, my God. Hold on, folks. Anyway, Minnesota defeated Nebraska 20-13. So how about the Gophers getting back on track? They could have kicked it in after some rough losses. And this felt like it all started with the debacle at home against Purdue. But now they're back at 6-3. and three. They're back to 500 in conference. Uh, Tanner Morgan got hurt again. Uh, Kaliuk Manis came in to the rescue. He can run. He looks confident. He looked confident even when he was playing against Penn State, by the way. Uh, maybe the results weren't there. But the dude doesn't really look like he's... Uh, in awe of the environment. And you've also you've always got the support of Ibrahim, who had another 100-yard game. Uh, a lot was made of P.J. Fleck. Of, and I, this is a big point I want to make. There was a lot that was made of P.J. Fleck going to be that new rising coach in the conference, but it takes a lot 
okay? It really takes a lot to take a program like Minnesota and build it into a consistent winner. It does. It takes, it takes quite a bit. And you need to pile on those eight-win seasons. You need to pile them on to really turn the tide. I, I think people look at the big years. They look at like what Tucker did last year at Michigan State. And they go, oh, wow, if you can get a season like that and get those 10 wins. Honestly, I don't think it's, it's years like that that really turn the tide. It's when you don't have the great recruiting class. It's when you don't have the great recruiting class or you think your team's going to struggle at 5-7 and seven and 6-6 six and six, and you pull out the eight-win season. That's what keeps momentum going when you're turning the tide of a program like Wisconsin did. We keep, we keep referencing what they were able to do 30 years ago under Alvarez, but that's a lot of what they did. It wasn't just winning the Big Ten in 93. It was having those teams that maybe on paper didn't look like they were going to be in the upper half of the Big Ten and still finding a way to finish in that top half. And that's what P.J. Flex working on right now. This is a really gritty win. You know, this was a 10-0 Nebraska lead at the half. Um, and I think if you're able to put these eight-win seasons together, I think that's I think that's what's going to really help you down the line build the winning culture of your program. I know it's sexy that you want to have the division championships and you want to be able to have all the shiny trophies, but you're still building something. You're still building something against some really good traditional football programs. Now, the Huskers started with Chubba Purdy, uh, but then they had to go into a rotation in the second half with Logan Smothers. You know, this is really going to be tough for them. It's really tough for the Huskers to play with this. And it just looks like and feels like they don't have the horses right now to compete. And um, it's a really tough situation for Brandon Joseph. I feel really bad for the guy. He's not in the same situation that Leonard is at Wisconsin. There's just not enough talent that's there right there. I know this is stating the obvious. They have to get this higher right. They have to. Uh, this is really this is really what's separating you from... Uh, we're talking about trying to get back to where Bo Pelini was. Like, how do I get to 10 and 3? How do I get to 9 and 4? Is that a possibility? Can I get there? Can I get winning seasons? Can I get to bowls? Am I able to do them back to back maybe? All the stuff about getting back to where you were in the 80s and 90s, that's like pipe dream stuff right now. Uh, Nebraska fans have to let that go. Those days are gone. They are done. Nobody looks at Nebraska and says, this is a place where I want to go play football. You're trying to get these kids today to go to the middle of nowhere to play football. That's a lot. It's a lot. I'm not, this isn't a put down on the state of Nebraska or on Lincoln, which is an awesome town. Uh, it, it's a lot. I'm just telling you what it is. I'm just telling you what drives other people in the environment that drives players to go to other schools. They need a dynamic special hire to really turn this around. And I just – I feel bad for them because the, the fans are still going. They still get great crowds going to these games. I know people say, well, there's no other teams in Nebraska. Well, still, I mean, there's other schools. It's not like Wyoming's selling out every game that they're <laughs> that they're playing in. There's nothing else in Wyoming. You know, you could say that about a bunch of states. Nebraska brings the fans week in, week out. They care about their team. They love their team. You know – I hate saying that a team deserves to have success, but man, with the level of 
dedication that their fans give that team, it certainly feels like that. So rough loss for Nebraska. Big win for Minnesota in what has been a very, very tough year where it's felt like anything that could have gone wrong over these last five weeks has. So they're starting to kind of build it the other way. Uh, a game that I thought was kind of a surprise, but the weather had a big impact on it as, on it as well, was Iowa and Purdue. The Hawks won 24-3. to Man, in the words of Michael Ray Richardson, the ship be sinking for Purdue. Uh, the Purdue train, I don't know if you guys saw this, the Boilermaker special. I don't know if you guys saw that special train, the Boilermaker special. That wasn't working before the game. And that may have been a clue with the old Boilermaker special not able to get revved up. Uh, Caleb Johnson's able to gash you for 200 yards. I haven't felt that Purdue was terrible against the run. Uh, I know their defense hasn't been the best all year, but there's really only one thing you have to do against Iowa. There's only one thing. You're not sitting there going, oh, man, Spencer Petrus, we better better get our stuff together to make sure he doesn't beat us. Nobody's saying that. You just have to stop the run game, and you should be fine. They couldn't do it. Caleb Johnson got 200 yards. Purdue's defensive line got manhandled. And now suddenly, Iowa, who was a laughingstock, is now 5-4, and and they're 3-3 in the Big Ten. We were joking about them a couple weeks ago. Right there with Purdue, who was my big favorite. Same record. Remember Purdue and Minnesota? Remember, remember, remember how I was trying to sell you guys on Purdue and Minnesota, talking about all the greatness of Purdue and Minnesota? I'm lucky you're still listening to me. I'm thankful, by the way. You know how tough it is. It's the Big Ten West. It's a roll of the dice. I'm just going off of the data that I look at, all right? I'm looking at the injury reports. I'm looking at the stats. And you thought the same thing, too. You thought Purdue and Minnesota would be tough to beat. Don't lie to me. Well, don't remember that anymore. Uh, you know, Petrus didn't have to be good. He just had to be okay, and he was. And O'Connell was not good for Purdue. And I know the conditions had a lot to do with it. But you got to be able to adjust your offense somehow. And Purdue's inability to run the ball came back to bite them in the butt. Now, they improved with their running game over the year. Like at the start of the year, it wasn't there. They started to get a little better, and now it's like a it went right back. Two O'Connell interceptions turned into 10 Iowa points, and this is what the Hawkeyes do. The only way that Iowa is able to win is with good special teams, points off of turnovers, and winning the turnover battle, really. Because they are an, an elite defense. Like, that is an elite defense. Uh, I'm going to try to keep saying that because I know I was making fun of Iowa quite a bit at the start of the year. And the goal wasn't to make fun of Iowa. Or the Iowans, the Iowa people that live in their farmhouses looking to attack John Dooley, the podcaster, for speaking derogatory of the great Iowa But they got to be feeling good about themselves, feeling a little bit better, feeling a little bit more confident. I mean, the offense still isn't there. And when you watch it, you're like, this isn't (laughs) this is not a major collegiate offense, but it's good enough. And I tell you what, it's going to be good enough for Kirk Ferentz to keep his job for another year. And maybe you don't want to hear that either, but I'm just telling you what it is. Moving along. Madison, Wisconsin. Hello. Wisconsin defeated Maryland 23-10. to Badgers won an old-fashioned brawl. I think I called this last week. I don't think I used the term correctly, by the way. I used some other term that was not the right term. The term is it's a move-the-needle game. A move-the-needle game. That's what this was. I felt Maryland could move the needle with their program, 
winning a big game on the road and really establishing themselves in the Big Ten East and maybe getting them a a nice and warm bowl game. And in Wisconsin, for them, it was for Leonard, it was really kind of moving the needle for the confidence in him to run this team. And uh, Maryland blew it. The Badgers were the more physical team. They were the better team. Badgers are now 5-4. and four. You know, they could have rolled over after that tough loss to Michigan State, but they did not. They have not rolled over. And, and Talia was still able to play for Maryland, but he struggled in the elements. 278 yards on the ground from the Badgers. How about this? Both teams combined. If you want to look at combined, not a lot. To, this is stuff you can't find in other podcasts, by the way. They, they don't do combined stats. They're just talking about hot takes and stuff. I don't do that. I talk about the numbers. Uh, both teams combined to go 15 for 41 in the air. 15 for 41. Ooh. Uh, Maryland. And here's another difference. And I know, I know the Terps were playing from behind for most of the game. But I want to bring something up that kind of gets me with Loxley and Maryland as a team. Sometimes I kind of feel like they're doing dumb stuff. Like I'm watching a game and I'm like, why are you doing this? What, what, what was that play call? Like they're just trying to overthink things too much. You ever watch a team like that? The Bears used to kind of be like that. I think they're doing better offensively now, but they used to be that with, with Nagy. It was like, oh, the, they won't be expecting this play. Well, it's a crappy play, so maybe try to find another play that we could not expect. Maryland, uh, their ratio, and I, by the way, I'm taking away, by the way, I'm taking away QB kneels and QB runs because they count those in college football. They'll count them in the run total. They'll count a sack in the run total. So I'm taking those away. Maryland was 32 to 23 run to pass, while Wisconsin was 39 to 18 run to pass. I know that's slightly skewed because Maryland's behind for most of the game. So Maryland's going to be throwing more. But like, come on. Come on. Wisconsin dedicated themselves to the run. They knew what type of environment it was going to be. And Maryland, what happened to Maryland? And Purdue and Ohio State also, by the way, in the first half. When you're a head coach and you deny the elements, you will pay the price. I think a lot of coaches, they plan for the week and they don't want to get lost in it. They feel the wind. They see it. They see the conditions. They go, God, you know, we've been prepping all weeks. We've had this play. A lot of times, for those of you that aren't aware, offensive coordinators will script their first 10 to 15 plays. Sometimes they script up to the first 20 plays. And... They get into the conditions that they weren't expecting to play in, and they go, I'm not going to change everything that I scripted. Like, I want to still attack this game the way that I want to attack it. And they're stubborn about it. Every once in a blue moon, you get weather where that's just not feasible. That weather on Saturday was weather where you have to change your game plan. It's very rare. I want to say maybe it only happens once every three to four years where the weather is that extreme where you've got to change your game plan. And I think each of those teams – paid the price for it. Ohio State's got so much talent that they were able to make the adjustment late in the first half. And you could tell they were like, oh yeah, we're just going to run the ball now. And (laughs) we're going to win the game this way. And then they did. Um, So if you take away the Mertz runs, Wisconsin ran 39 times for 288 yards. And that's what Maryland's going to have to figure out. That's what they're going to have to figure out. You've got Hemby in the backfield. You've got an athlete like Talia as your quarterback. Do what OSU did, and they were able to adjust a little bit with their option game. They were able to do a lot of different things. you got to have a couple different things that you can call on at a moment's notice where uh, you can deal with conditions like that, but they weren't able to. Badgers get the win 23-10. to They're now at 5-4, and four, 
and uh, maybe solidifying the chance of Leonard keeping that job there with the Badgers. So good there. Let's move on to uh, some other topics. You know, I got a coffee. I got a coffee at Starbucks. Uh, You know, here's what bothers me. They changed the Starbucks cups like November 1st. They're like, here's your Christmas cup or, you know, it's a holiday cup or whatever they call it. I, I didn't ask for this. I don't want a holiday. Like, can't they just like do like two hues of color? Like November is like more of like a fall thing. And then you get to like Thanksgiving and then you can pivot to the, the, the holiday stuff. I don't want to do that. And by remember how they used to always every year there would be like some the controversy around the cup. I, for one year, I would like for Starbucks to throw everybody off and make like a just a totally overly Christian holiday cup. <laughs> like they're like like just completely over the top. <laughs> like it's got like crosses and like it's got the blessed mother around there. Like just over over the top, the most Christian coffee cup you've ever seen. <laughs> like just to throw people. What are you gonna complain about now, guys? Here's your coffee cup. We did it. You know, just to, you know, kind of throw it back in their face. That'd be funny. They should do that. People need to have a sense of humor, by the way. That we're losing that. We're losing that as a country. Have a sense of humor for crying out loud. You know? Just be like, listen, that's why we had all of these nondescript, you know, uh, non-religious related cups. We were saving up for the year where we really wanted to have the overly religious cup. You know? And then just lean into Hanukkah really hard one year. You know, just pick different holidays. We won't know. We just people are just there for the coffee. I don't care about all this stuff. Anyway, those are my thoughts on Starbucks cups. Uh, moving along, Penn State labeled Indiana forty-five to fourteen. Some interesting developments in this game that are uh, away from the score. The game was not interesting. So if you're wondering if the game was interesting, don't worry. I watched it, so you don't have to. Uh, it was not interesting. I had like six sentences of notes on the game. I just watched the extended highlights. I didn't watch the full game. Um, and then obviously I do all the interviews and all the other stuff that I drag out of my Twitter stuff. And Penn State's got like eight writers, by the way. Indiana's got like two. And they're all <laughs> – here's a, here's how you can tell how, how invested a fan base is into a team – all of the Indiana football writers are also doubling as Indiana basketball people. And they're already 80% of their tweets are like related to basketball. Like that's all you need to know about Indiana University. They're like, okay, and we are done with this. And let's move on to our opening game against Mississippi Valley A&M. Like they would rather talk about that non-conference game against a D2 school over their actual Big Ten game against Penn State in football. And who can blame them? I mean, this was an absolute blowout. Penn State's offense is pretty predictable when you know that Allen and Singleton are going to get theirs. I think all the drama comes uh, with all of the push that's coming from the fan base to get their freshman QB, Drew Aller, some more time. He went 9 for 12 for 75 yards, two TDs. Pretty good. Pretty good performance. Now, this was in garbage time. This was at the end of the game. But he did get the full fourth quarter, and he looked more comfortable to me as opposed to other games that he's been in there. And Clifford's not bad. Like, he's not a bad quarterback by any stretch of the Im- imagination. But this was huge. This really was one of those things that I think moved the needle for Aller. And I think maybe pending on the situation later on in the year, maybe if there's a game that has no value, or if Penn State gets locked into a bowl with, like, a game to go, you might see Aller get some more additional time. Uh, the Hoosiers, on the other hand, oh, my Lord, they have some massive issues at QB. So 
Uh, Basilic's hurt again. Uh, Brandon Soresby came in. Dexter Williams came in uh, because Jack Tuttle, the backup, also got hurt. So it's kind of a nightmare. If you thought it was already a nightmare for the Hoosiers, it's more of a nightmare than what it was. And I hate saying this because I don't want to be the the guy who's like always trying to fire coaches. I just I just don't have a good feeling about Tom Allen. And doesn't he kind of look like an Indiana head coach? He looks like they put together, you know, the Indiana coach factory, the Hoosier, the Indiana Hoosier football coach factory. Like they have a machine that makes what the next coach looks like. He looks like an amalgamation of every Indiana head coach over the last 20 years. Like they put him into the they put him into the machine, they, they churned it up and up oh, here we go. Here's Tom Allen. He's kind of a red ass and he runs around and he has, you know, acronyms that he uses with his team and all sorts of football-y type stuff. And uh yeah, I just don't trust. I just it's not the guy. It's just so weird. Things collapsed so quick. And then if you're Indiana, you're probably wondering, like, well, I mean, who's really going to be better? Like, what's what could possibly even turn this around? It's such a mess. Usually I have answers. And I give you guys my hot takes and my opinions. I really don't have one on this. I, I don't know what Indiana can do that would really help turn the tide. I know there's been some suggestions online. But, like, the Indiana ones always seem absurd. Like, someone will be like, we got to get Sean Payton. It's like, that's guys, that's not happening. Like, he's not... Sean Payton is not going to coach Indiana football. And if he does, I will uh, do a shirtless podcast. Okay? That's my, that's my, that's my promise for you. Uh, Michigan State 23, Illinois 15. We finally got to the game I wanted to talk to. Oh, my God. Uh, this one's rough. So full disclosure, I, I would say I'm not supposed to root for any teams because I like all of the Big Ten teams. But, you know, as a kid growing up in Illinois, I do have a soft spot for the Illini, and uh, this was disappointing. This was really disappointing. Also, if you look at the stat line, just go – you can do that right now. Go to the stat line for Michigan State, Illinois. They didn't really get outplayed. And if you watched the game, it didn't look like that either. Uh, Michigan State dealt with suspended players after that horrific – Uh, if you can call it a brawl that took place in Ann Arbor the previous week. But they've been quietly getting healthy. You remember at the start of the year, they had lost Xavier Henderson and they had lost uh, Slade and they had lost a lot of big names on their defense. They were returning a lot of people on their D and they haven't really been healthy. But this is a team that lost two starting offensive linemen playing against what's supposed to be one of the top defensive lines in the Big Ten the number one scoring defense in all of college football. And Michigan State goes on the road and gets 23 true points. There were no gifts that were there. And it honestly wasn't that Peyton Thorne was amazing. It was the fact that Michigan State's running game, which has struggled all year, and their inexperienced offensive line missing two starters, dominated the line of scrimmage against a much more talented Illini defensive line. And they came into the game number one in points against in all of college football. I mean, it, it's just really disappointing. Look at DeVito's numbers. He's what, 25 for 37, 288, two touchdowns, no interceptions. There's nothing wrong with that. If you told me those were DeVito's numbers for the game, I'd say, well, Illinois won. No interceptions? 
But there were just misses at the... It was one of those games where the misses were there at the wrong time. Chase Brown's fumble happened at the worst time. Michigan State had just taken the lead at 9-7. Illinois was responding. Great, you took the lead in the first half on the road. We're going to respond because we're the better team. And he gets to the Michigan State 22 and he fumbles the ball. It just... And then... And then after that, they have a 14-play drive, and what happens? They get nothing out of it. Then you start scratching your head, and you're like, okay, we're in trouble. It was 23-7. It felt like the game was over. The Illini cut it to 23-15. Now they're driving again, and I was glad that they were hurrying up because I wanted them to see if they could get two drives in there. There was about eight minutes left because you don't know if you're going to get the two-pointer. And they had a third and one from the Michigan State 19. 23-15, still eight minutes left. Illinois... Michigan State telegraphed on defense exactly what they were looking for. They knew Illinois was going to run the ball on both occasions. There was there was no guessing. I believe on both plays, the Spartans had nine in the box. There was no audible. There was no timeout. There was no, like, this isn't going to work. They went with it, and they didn't get it. They didn't get it. They needed a yard against that defense, and they couldn't do it. Two plays to get one yard. And if that's the case, you don't deserve to win the game. If you don't have a quarterback that can read a front and say, you know what, this is a problem, this isn't going to work, I have to eat one here. I know we don't want to lose a timeout, but there's no way this play can work against this front. I have to go back and look at the format. I wanted to say they had like seven down. I mean, it was insane. And they were doing the thing where they they run. <laughs> there's like three D linemen, and you've got three tights. So you've got uh, one guy straight up on the center and then two in the gaps between the center and the guard. I mean, they were just like, we're not going to let you sneak this. That's not going to be an option. And they're big and they're tough and they do have talent. We've said that all year long. And we said in the preview, we thought Michigan State was going to be better than where their projection was. And I think if they were healthy the whole year, they would have been. But the talent's still there and they can still pull things off like this. And it was just really frustrating if you're an Illini fan. Really rough. Got to give credit to Tucker and Michigan State for working through it. They faced uh, some big adversity, and uh, there's a lot of people at Michigan State that were very upset for how this year has gone. And this is, you know, this is a little feather in their cap. Not a big feather, but a little feather they can put in their cap in regards to the season. Also looking around Michigan, taking care of Rutgers, 52-17. to 17. Oh, my gosh. If you listened to this podcast last week, I told you what was going to happen. Didn't I? I told you. Rutgers led this 17-14 at the half. Remember what I said on the podcast last week? I said Rutgers would keep it close until the fourth, and then Michigan would pull away. Well, it happened sooner than the fourth. Uh, Michigan turned two interceptions into 14 points. It went from 17-14 Rutgers with 12 minutes left in the third to 35-17 Michigan by the end of the quarter. Also got another blocked punt. It was a blocked punt special weekend. I saw three blocked punts for TDs this weekend. Three. Ooh, how lovely. Uh, nothing surprising here. Quorum and Edwards each ran for over 100 yards. That was something that I was wrong. I thought Rutgers would do better against the run game. It just highlights again how deadly this Michigan run game is and how physical they are. It is a better run game than what they had last year. I know I keep saying like, oh, you're not going to beat the big teams with this run game. You got to be able to throw the ball downfield. But it is better. Like, I don't think if they got to the Final Four with their team right now that they would get embarrassed like they did last year. I don't think that that would be the case. I think they would hang a little tougher. I don't know what that means. 
honestly, I, and I'm try, not trying to be a jerk, but they were if they were to play Georgia in a 1-4 game, Georgia would probably beat them 31-7. to It's probably where we're at right now. Um, I think I get more upset because I, I have in my in my blood, I feel like J.J. McCarthy should be better because I've seen him be better. I've seen him do more, and I've seen him do it on the on in the big house. I've seen him do it in college games. It just I feel like they need to have a little bit more confidence in trying to make it work. And maybe Harbaugh doesn't want to show too much. I don't know. Guess we're gonna find out in a couple weeks. Uh, so that was it for the Big Ten slate. Let's move along to some of the other games that happened last week. I know you're excited to talk about all this wonderful stuff. Notre Dame dominant over Clemson. Just dominant. Uh, Irish won 35-14. You know, let's not talk about numbers here. I'm not going to get stuck in the numbers. It took a long time for Tommy Reese to finally understand that all he had to do was run the damn ball. Drew Pine doesn't have it. He found it against North Carolina for a little bit, who's arguably one of the worst defenses in all of college football. But Notre Dame dominated the line and stuck to what they were supposed to be good at all year. And um, it wasn't close. It wasn't close, quite frankly. This was an old-fashioned, like this was like a Lou Holtz late '80s win. We haven't seen Notre Dame physically beat a top team like this in a long time. Uh, it's a confusing team. I mean, they beat North Carolina. They beat Clemson. They beat BYU when they were ranked. And then they can't beat Stanford or Marshall at home. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, and did you see anything from Clemson that made you think that they're a national championship competitor? Did you see anything in that game that made you think that? Because I didn't see it. And if you're a Clemson fan, I mean, just be honest with yourself. Look at the other Clemson teams that played at that level. Ask yourself, does this look like the teams that I watched before? No, they're not. I was really disappointed, actually, in Clemson's defense, to tell you the truth. I mean, they got physically beat. That's not a good omen if you're a Clemson fan. Notre Dame ran for 263. They got 100 apiece from Estime and Diggs. Uh, they only threw it 17 times, and honestly, it should have only been eight. <laughs> if something works, don't get cute. I know former quarterbacks can't help themselves. Can't help themselves. Tommy Reese cannot help himself. I'm sure he's like, I got I to gotta get this ball out. So the Irish are 6-3. and three. It's a season-saving win for Freeman. Uh, I know people say, well, they're not going to let him go after this year. I'm like, well, he needs a win to kind of say like, hey, I've arrived. And it has the chance. It has the chance to be program-defining. What I mean by that is you still have to win these other games to make this program-defining. I told you guys at the beginning of the year that I did not believe Notre Dame was a top 10 team. I certainly did not believe that they were a top five team. And I also told you that nobody should look at this season as a failure if he goes eight and four. But unfortunately, some people will because they're idiots. They lost all of their skill players except for one guy who's a concrete footed tight end who's great, by the way. I love Michael Mayer, but he's not. It's not the player that's changing stuff on the offensive side of the ball. They lost everybody. They're, they're their biggest names on defense they lost. They weren't a top 10 team going into this season. It just wasn't the case. So eight and four for me, and I said it from the beginning of the year, it would be a fantastic season for him if he goes eight and four in the regular season. But you better beat Navy and Boston College. You are better than those teams are. Navy is not good this year, and BC is awful. They are bad. But they always come to play against Notre Dame. Always. 
Also, what does the ACC want, by the way? I know I ripped them in the last podcast. I really ripped them bad. Uh, this whole conference, like I said it last week, I hate using I, – I, I told you I don't want to be AM talk guy or hot take dude. Um, but Notre Dame's now 27-0 and 0 in the regular season against ACC. I'm going to read that again for all of the – and I, there's a couple of people on here who, who root for ACC teams. They're 27-0 and 0 in the last five years since they started that ACC contract. They are 27-0. and 0. You still want that smoke? You still want them in the conference where people are like, oh, well, they don't play the real tapes because they play Navy every year. They'll play real – look at the numbers – Notre Dame has played a top 25 strength of schedule schedule, I believe in, what is it, 35 of the last 40 seasons. That's not a joke. 35 of the last 40 years, they've played a top 25 strength of of schedule schedule. So you're wrong. So go back and tell everybody else that you were wrong. You're factually incorrect. They play a tough schedule every single year. And there's a reason why they sometimes go eight and three and seven and four because they play a tough schedule every year. They don't get Vanderbilt or they don't play an FCS team. Every team in the FBS plays an FCS gimme team. Notre Dame does not play an FCS team. So they don't get that gimme. They get a MAC team, which God knows we've seen over the years, Big Ten teams consistently losing to. They get service academies, which... Navy's much better over the last 15 years than what they were before. Air Force is always competitive, and they usually play one of the two. They play Navy every year. And you got a contract with USC. It was a perennial top 10 team. They only had a couple years where they were off. They have other contracts with teams like Michigan. So there's a reason why their record's been what it's been, because they play a tough schedule. And you want them in your conference to lose all the time. Is that what you're looking for? So I guess you want Notre Dame to be 10, 11 wins every year? Because I don't think you do. From what I hear in the public, I hear that they, they hate Notre Dame. They don't want to see Notre Dame be good. Well, if you don't want Notre Dame to be good, I tell you what, don't put them in the ACC. Because if you put them in the ACC, they'll be going 11-1 and one every single year. Anyway, Mac review. Uh, Ball State beat Kent State 27-20. to 20. Hey, It's a good year for the Ball State Cardinals. We do talk about the Mac on here, by the way. Just to give you a review so you know what's going on around the Midwest. Ball State's been pretty good. Kent State's been competitive. They've been kind of up and down like a lot of the MAC teams. The big game over last week was the Ohio Bobcats. They destroyed Buffalo in a stunner, 45-24. to 24. I think Buffalo was feeling themselves a little too much. So now it's a three-way tie for first in the MAC East. Uh, Central Michigan beat NIU. It's been a disaster for the Huskies. They can't keep their quarterbacks healthy. This has been a disaster season at DeKalb. It's just stunning to think that this year's Mac West co-favorites are sitting at two and seven. Just, just unreal. And um, uh, Bowling Green beat the Western Michigan Broncos thirteen to nine. So the Falcons have been up and down all year, but they're also sitting at five and four. So the big news is this, though: the Falcons are four and one in the Mac East, so they're actually tied with Ohio and Buffalo. So uh, OU has the tiebreaker on Buffalo, which is huge for them. But Buffalo has a tiebreaker on Bowling Green. So this might come down to the pre-Thanksgiving Tuesday night Falcon Bobcat showdown in Athens. Oh, my gosh. Take your family. Go on a little Thanksgiving field trip for a little Mac East title action. 
Find the campsite. I'm sure it'll be like 25 degrees at night. It's what your family wants. They want to watch mid-major college football during their Thanksgiving weekend. You guys are getting prepped for family to come over on Thursday. That's what you want, right? Waste some time watching college football. Missouri Valley Football Conference Review. So congrats to North Dakota. They keep their faint playoff hopes alive with a 42-7 pounding of Indiana State. So the way it works in the FCS, by the way, in the other collegiate division is usually if you go 8-3, and because a lot of the FCS teams, they don't play 12-game slate. They play an 11-game slate. Usually 8-3 and gets you in. In the Missouri Valley Football Conference, 7-4 and also usually gets you in. But the MVFC has not been as strong this year maybe as in other years. Um, but we'll see with that when the rankings come out. South Dakota beat Missouri State. We said South Dakota's a pretty good team. Bobby Petrino's uh, honeymoon at Missouri State has been over. It is now more over than it was before. Uh, so that's bad news for him. As expected, North Dakota State routed Western Illinois. They are not very good. And the big game of the week, as we said before, was going to be the Youngstown-Illinois State game. Whoever won that game was going to have an inside track on making the postseason. And the Penguins did it. The Penguins, a power program from the 1990s when they had Jim Trestle as their head coach, working their way back. The Penguins come through 19-17. to They scored with 10 seconds left to win the game. Just a killer loss for the Birds. They've had, they've had a couple tough. That loss they had to uh, SIU was also tough. So ISU is still heading in the right direction. I think they're, they're progressing in the right area. But, uh, man, that was one that they really wanted to have, and they didn't get it in a huge – and they're hoping a program-changing uh, moment for Youngstown State, although they do have a tough game to end the year at home against Southern. South Dakota State, the number one team in the country, got a huge, huge scare. They were able to win a thriller in the last second over Northern Iowa, 31-28. to So South Dakota State's going to stay in that number one spot. Northern Iowa's pretty much done for the year. Uh, this was really kind of their only chance to maybe finagle their way in. And a tough loss for them because they came from 14 down to tie the game. So a lot of good stuff in the last week. We're going to take a quick break, and then we will be back in just a moment. Welcome back to the Midwest Football Cavalcade. I am John Dooley. Once again, you can friend us on Twitter at Football Dooley. Wait, it's Dooley Football. Why do I say Football Dooley? It's Dooley Football. Yeah, friend us at uh, Dooley Football. And uh, also get us on Facebook at Searching Up the Midwest Football Cavalcade. We'll put all sorts of fun stuff on there as well. So really enjoyable items that we have as a group that we're going to be uh, – talking about the games in the upcoming week. I mentioned earlier, I just got back from voting because I'm doing this on election day. And oh my gosh, I love the places that I have to go where everybody else has to go. Yeah, I do. Yes, I like the DMV. I do. I don't like the people at the DMV. I ran into a really crusty old lady at the last DMV I was at. I did not like that person, but I like the fact that everybody has to go through it. Yeah, we all got to go through this crap. It stinks. You can't get out of it. There should be a bunch of stuff in life you can't get out of. I want everybody to share the misery with me. Yep, we're here. We're stuck. This is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. Got a lot of people who think they're above the law these days. People think they can just get away with whatever just because of who they are. We got to stop that stuff. 
Everybody's got to be in here. It doesn't matter who you are. I don't care if you're an athlete, big name businessman. You got to go to the DMV. You got to vote. You got to go to the voting station. There's nothing else you can do about it. We all got to go. So, and you want to know what? That's kind of a way I want to get rid of uh, some of the absentee. But I think you should have to be there. I really do. I think you should have to be there. I don't care if you're out of the country. You're going to fly back. You got to go to this dumb, small little church. Everybody's got to come back during the week. Maybe they should put the uh, the voting like Thanksgiving time. Everybody's back in town to see their families and make sure that everybody comes back to see their families. And you got to come back to the country to uh, to vote. It doesn't matter who you are. Uh, maybe even the military. Everybody's coming back. We have a ceasefire globally for a week. Everybody has to come back. Everybody's here and everybody's got to vote. This is a great podcast for my awful ideas. <laughs> That are just uh, that cannot be used and are not practical in any way, shape or form. But uh, a man can dream. A man can dream. A man could be president. I'm 42 years old. I could be president. I got good ideas. If you want to run a campaign on football, I, uh, I'm your guy. So next week, what are we looking at next week? Oh, my God. We've got a full slate of Big Ten football again. Indiana is at number two, Ohio State at 11 a.m. on Fox. The Bucks right now are favored by a heavy 40 points. And uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of points. I don't know if you guys know football well, but 40 points is a lot of points to be favored by. And I think the Bucks will be in good shape. Uh, I know I made fun of that Ohio State Northwestern game last week, and I said, hide your family, don't watch it. And then it actually wound up not being a bad game. I think Ohio State wants to write some things. By the way, we are looking at some chillier weather this weekend in the Midwest. It's supposed to be like 75 tomorrow here in Chicago. And then by Saturday, the high is supposed to be 35. So that's what it's like living here. <laughs> Second game, Purdue is at Illinois. The Boilers are 5-4. and four. The Illini are 7-2. and two. Uh, This game will be on ESPN2. The Illini are favored by 6.5. I think this game's going to come down to how Illinois is able to run the ball. Just run the ball. Don't get cute. You should be able to pound Purdue. You saw what Johnson was able to do for Iowa against Purdue. You should be able to gash these guys. You should be able to run them out. They should run them out. And to me, this is, this is everything for Illinois. This is like the World Series for them. You have to win this game. If you don't, it kind of feels like everything that you did before doesn't matter. Because after this, they got to go to Michigan, which is probably a loss. And then you got that weird game at Northwestern, which historically has always been a problem for the worst team. I'm kind of going back. I'm, I'm a little dated on that. But the worst team always seems to find a way to come up and play better in that game. You don't think Northwestern's going to be fired up on senior day to, to play and beat Illinois? Kind of in the same way that uh, Northwestern did it to them a couple years ago when Northwestern had nothing to play for. So let's get going. Let's let's make something happen with these games and uh, see what we can do. And if you're Purdue, keep attacking. It's tough. Illinois is a tough place to play because the wind can certainly be a factor, especially this late in the year. So we'll see if the Boilers will have to adjust their throwing game a little bit based on the wind. And see how that will affect O'Connell and what he does. Illinois has got a pretty good secondary. And um, I don't know. I was not impressed with the Illini defense last week. I think they want to come out and make a statement again. So that's my only hope on that one. 
I'm all, it's always weird to see Illinois favored in any game still, by the way. It doesn't matter, so it just looks a little strange. Rutgers, the Rutgers, is at 4-5, and five, and they are at 4-5 and five Michigan State. And I know Sparty fans are looking at this, and they're saying, this is it. We got our path to bowl eligibility. We got within a game of 500. We've got Rutgers next. But Rutgers is a team you can't sleep on. They, they do have some solid players on their team. They do have a physical defense. They just, they're just not deep enough and not consistent enough with their running game to really pose much of a threat to Michigan State. I think the Spartans should be fine in this one, but it's not a gimme. I, I think the days of thinking you could kind of show up and, 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 and just beat Rutgers, those days are gone. And we've seen before Michigan State make assumptions and, and have those assumptions not work out. So they're going to have to earn this win. Three and six, Nebraska is at undefeated Michigan. That will be on at 2.30 on ABC. The Wolverines are favored by 29. Nebraska's obviously having those issues at quarterback. And Michigan is not the defense you want to face when you're having those issues at quarterback. This is going to be a long day for the Huskers. Michigan should win quite, quite handily. Uh, Maryland is at Penn State. I think this is going to be hopefully a really good game. I think Penn State's getting better week after week after week. Uh, I don't look at the Ohio State game really as a loss. I think that that's a moral victory for them that they were able to hang with them for three quarters. Uh, It'll be interesting to see maybe if we see some complimentary stuff with their quarterbacks again, see if Aller gets in there again. And Maryland, they're looking for that game to hang their hat on. You know, they almost, they played with Michigan on the road for a while. They got to see what they can do now in Penn State. And Talia's going to have... Uh, quite a challenge with that Penn State defensive backfield as well. So we'll see what happens in this one. I think the Nittany Lions got the edge on it just by virtue of being at home. And Maryland not yet having that habit of winning big games in conference yet. And another move the needle game. We had a couple of these last week. I think this is the biggest one this week. 5-4 and four Wisconsin is at 5-4 and four Iowa. The game's on at 2-30 on FS1. The Badgers are currently favored by a point and a half. Get two teams that are very identical. I think Iowa's defense is a little better than Wisconsin's defense. I think Wisconsin's offense is a little better than Iowa's offense. Game's probably going to come down to turnovers um, and just the ability to control the line of scrimmage. And at home, I tend to give the advantage to Iowa to be able to control the line of scrimmage. I really do. This game's going to tell us a lot about the Badgers. It really is. I think if Leonard really wants to stake his name here, you gotta you gotta pull it out here. This is not a gimme. This is not an easy game. This is a tough, physical Iowa team. Uh, they're motivated to get back in track on track. I feel like you get the feeling from them and in the press conferences that they had that they felt embarrassed by their level of play over the last, over the first six games. I should say that they felt embarrassed about it, and they're really working hard to kind of get back and. and and wipe away some of that embarrassment. So we'll see what happens in this one. Once again, it's just another feather in the cap of uh, of Leonard to see if he can get rid of that interim title and be the coach going forward. And then finally, we've got one and eight Northwestern at six and three Minnesota. That's another two thirty game on the Big Ten Network. By the way, no nighttime Big Ten games, which I believe is the rule after November first. You can't have a uh, a nighttime Big Ten game. I don't know what that's about. Jowers told me that a couple weeks ago. No, was that Brian? Was that Brian in, in Brian's interview? Um, he had brought that up. I, I don't understand that. 
But uh, this should be a win for Minnesota, but we've also seen them lay eggs in games that they should have won. But this will be nice for them. You want to, with every win, I always say once you get to that sixth win, with every win, the the game that you're going to gets 10, 10 degrees warmer. So right now, Minnesota's six wins, you're going to play the bowl game in like a 50-degree weather. If you win the seventh game, you get 60 degrees. If you get eight games, you get 70. If you win nine games, you get the 90. So uh, we'll see what happens on that. But I know they're motivated to kind of move up in the standings in the Big Ten West. Some big MAC games, Eastern Michigan on Tuesday night. Oh, we're doing them tonight, folks. We're doing them tonight. There's no more baseball. The Houston Astros are the world champions. We're done with baseball. We are starting Maction. That's right. We got Maction on Tuesday nights. Eastern Michigan's at Akron. We've mentioned before, this is a rough year for the Zips. It'd be good for the Eagles to get back on track. The Bobcats of Ohio are at Miami of Ohio. Is this a rivalry trap game? We'll see. The Bobbers are going to need it. And Ball State's at Toledo. This is a huge, huge, huge game in the MAC East. It's a big game for Ball State. Toledo's pretty much in control of the uh, MAC West. But uh, Ball State wants to make a statement. They want to make a statement and see if they can come on the road and get that big win. The Wednesday night, night games are predominantly uh, featuring MAC West teams. At least I think so. We've got Northern Illinois at Western Michigan at 6. Buffalo trying to hang on to their first place tie at Central Michigan at 6. And then Kent is at Bowling Green at 6. I think that's going to be the best game. Bowling Green hanging on by a thread, hoping to keep that tie for first in the MAC East. Also, the Irish, the Irish are at Navy. Uh, the Middies are three and six. This game, as it usually is, is an 11 a.m. start at the Vet in Philadelphia. No, it's at uh, Lincoln Financial, right? Lincoln Financial. Am I mentioning the? Yeah, Lincoln Financial. 11 a.m. on ABC. The Irish are favored by 17 once again. Notre Dame cannot afford to have a letdown against a subpar team. This is not a good Navy team, but that option gives people fits, and it's tough to prepare for, and we'll see what happens with them. Missouri Valley Football Conference, we know South Dakota State and North Dakota State are kind of the kings of the conference, Uh, but other teams are trying to finagle their way into the playoffs. North Dakota has a must-win at 6-3. They're hosting South Dakota. they got to get that one. Uh, Indiana State's at Western. That's kind of the worst game of the week. North Dakota State's at 7-2, and two, and they're going to Carbondale to face the Salukis, who are 5-4. and four. It is do or die for Southern. Their last two games are North Dakota State and Youngstown. So if they win both of those games against two playoff-eligible teams to get to 7-4, and four, along with the rest of their schedule, they should be they should be in a good spot to make the postseason, but that is a huge if. They uh, have to beat a very good North Dakota State team. Uh, Illinois State's at South Dakota State. Illinois State's kind of in the same situation that SIU's in. They have a situation where if they were to somehow go to South Dakota State and beat the number one team in the country, that would also boost their profile and give them an outside chance if they were able to make it at 7-4 and four as well. And Youngstown's got to keep this train going. They're 6-3. and three. They're at Missouri State, who's 3-6. and six. They should be the favorite, but they can't afford a letdown. They want to get a win to make it so that they can clinch it against Southern in the final week. National games of the week that I'm looking at, we've got Bama, who's around number 10 right now, and Ole Miss that's sitting at 11. Can the Rebs jump their way into this? Can they jump their way into this? They only have one loss. It'll be interesting to see if the Rebs can kind of jump their way into the national picture. They can do so by winning this game 
we just have a laundry list and a history of Bama losing games and then responding to those losses with veracity. So um, I still have a feeling Bama's going to come through. Also, a big game in the American, number 22 Central Florida is at number 16 Tulane. Tulane's a really good team, by the way. They're a very good team, and their win earlier in the year that they they had a couple games early in the year out of conference that were really impressive, and they're it's now starting to show in the American slate. So it'll be interesting to see if they kind of finagle their way into the New Year Six conversation if they start winning these games. They it'll go a long way by beating Central Florida. And number four TCU is at number eighteen Texas, and you want to talk about fun games. Oh, fun games. That really should be it. Uh, other big matchups, number 15, North Carolina's at Wake Forest. We've got another big ACC matchup there. And uh, May and his Tar Heel troops trying to move forward with what they're trying to do uh, and uh, move themselves also into the playoff talk, the playoff conver- uh, conversation. I don't think they're going to talk their way into the playoff conversation, but they can at least maybe move into pretty good feeling for winning that ACC championship and maybe getting to one of those New Year's Six Bowls. So uh, on the Facebook page, I put my duly rating system, my top 25, which right now has Georgia at one, Ohio State at two, TCU at three, and Michigan at four. Yes, I know. I'm one of those guys. I keep negatively talking about Michigan, but it has nothing to do with, this is kind of a combo with my ratings. My combo is I have it talk about performance but then also about, you know, straight talk about how good I think your team is. So that's my tiebreaker. My tiebreaker is how good I think you are. And I think right now TCU's the three, Michigan's the four, Tennessee's the five, Oregon's the six. I got LSU at seven, Bama eight, Ole Miss nine, USC 10. And I got all the ACC teams completely gone. No, just kidding. Uh, but that's kind of how my, my top 10 sits right now. Hopefully you enjoyed the football cavalcade with John Dooley. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast. It's only the best college football podcast in the United States. It's only the best college football podcast in the U.S. That's done by the greatest person you know, who knows the most about college football. And I love talking about it with you. I like knowing that you're listening to me while you're going through your household chores or whatever you're doing. Maybe you're trying to do work right now, whatever it is. I enjoy it. I enjoy being with you. Hopefully, you enjoyed this broadcast. Once again, you can find us on Facebook at the Midwest Football Cavalcade Podcast with John Dooley. Put that into the search bar. You can put in a friend request, and we will add you to the group. Also, we're available on Twitter at Dooley Football. Make sure to look for us there. I hope you guys have a great week, and happy football. I will talk to you guys later. Have a good one. Bye-bye.